Welcome back to World Cup Rambling. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and you follow me on Twitter at Matthew Ocott and at World Cup Ramble. I've got a confession to make. This isn't really World Cup Rambling. I could hardly let England's first major final since 1966 pass by without giving you the benefit of my irrelevant opinions. So welcome to the Euro 2020 Rambling bonus episode. Firstly, it was the correct final. Italy and England were the best two teams around. Italy were deserved winners, the best team on the night and the best team in the tournament. Mancini said that Italy should have won it before penalties and I agree with that. Once they took control of the game, it was only a question of when rather than if Italy equalised. Mancini made the correct calls with his tactics and substitutions. It's been some turnaround for the Italians. They failed to qualify for the Russia World Cup. Mancini then came in and he's taken them on a long unbeaten run. 34 games and counting, I believe. From the opening game, it was clear that the Italians were a force to be reckoned with. As a fan of 90s Italian football, it was great to see Mancini, Viali, Lombardo and Ivani all together. None of them had the international playing careers that their talents merited. There were so many great Italian players around in those days, but they've now masterminded an international triumph. And it was especially good to see Viali looking in great health after his cancer battle. Italy are traditionally known as a defensive side, but their trophy wins tend to come when they're a bit more adventurous in attack. Chiesa was a star of this tournament, Insigne was brilliant too. Italy's worst results The Trapattoni era, for example, tend to be when they become a completely strangulated defensive side, scared to attack. Chiellini and Bonucci are two more in that long line of world-class Italian defenders. Chiellini grabbing Saka by the collar just sums up that by hook or by crook ethos of Italian defending. Donnarumma is an outstanding goalkeeper. Only 22, but he's already one of the best in the world. The Italians produce world-class goalkeepers the same way they produce world-class defenders. I knew Italy were going to win the shootout because Donnarumma is so massive and he looked even bigger on that shit camera angle. So there was no way the England players would be able to see the back of the net, let alone find it. As for England, I'm a Southgate sceptic. You can say he got the calls right in most of the earlier games, but everything I was worried about, especially after the draw with Scotland, came together in the biggest game. Southgate is what he is. He was a guy who didn't quite make the grade at Middlesbrough. Then he found his niche in the FA setup, got the top job thanks to the pint of wine that changed history, and then he took England further than anyone expected in the Russia 2018 World Cup. 
And then at these Euros, he's, he's taken England into a major final for the first time since 1966. I was there in Cape Town when England drew 0 with Algeria in 2010. Perhaps the worst England World Cup game ever. That was one of the low points of English football. And I never thought I'd ever see them in a major final. So Southgate deserves praise for rebuilding the national team. He created a feel-good factor, the pride in the jersey, the three lions, it's coming home and all that. And the players seem like they enjoy being on international duty, something which we know wasn't the case during the so-called golden generation. And Southgate hasn't been afraid to give younger players a chance in the England team. I put aside my ABE tendencies, anyone but England, and I wanted them to win this tournament. But I knew deep down that they wouldn't be able to, so I cashed out my England bet before the final. And just to clear us up, my ABE tendencies are not politically motivated just before anyone starts assuming anything. I know Southgate's a nice guy. He speaks nicely. He has a cool beard. He wears a waistcoat. He has a thoughtful facial expression. But he gives off the air of being a middle management guy. You can see him walking around an open plan office in somewhere like Telford talking earnestly about a culture of continuous improvement. England got a flying start in the final with Luke Shaw scoring early. That put the seal on Luke Shaw's rebirth as a footballer. This was his first tournament since the 2014 World Cup. He had that horrible leg break which set him back. Then he fell off the England radar and he had to be put up with being hounded by Mourinho. So that's a great strength of character from Shaw to get himself back in the England team. So many England players enhanced their reputation at the Euros and Shaw is top of that list. The second half was a disaster for England. Mancini made early substitutions and England became penned in. At one stage, Italian possession was running at 71%. Italy's territorial dominance was so much that their back four was pretty much stationed on the halfway line. Kane and Sterling could have done more to press Italy and provide an outball. Much has been made of this England team going further than its recent predecessors. But during that second half, I felt like I was watching one of those games from Sven or Steve McLaren or Capello or Roy. England wandering around passively, being totally outplayed, unable to get the ball, wilting under pressure and hanging on for the whistle. England had players on the bench who could hold the ball and carry it, allegedly, but there was no sign of them. Tactical caution, tactical rigidity, lack of creativity... That's a theme of England managers from the dawn of time. Southgate, for all his alleged modernity, can break out of that pattern. Southgate didn't seem to know how to make positive game-changing substitutions. England looked very sluggish in that second half, but I suppose when you don't have the ball and you're having to chase around, that's what happens. There's a touch of the Solskjaer about Southgate. A nice guy, you know, he trusts young talent, but... Just when he clears one hurdle, the next one comes along and it's an even bigger hurdle and he can't get over it. There's that expression, football, we want to be there or thereabouts. Southgate can get England thereabouts, but he can't seem to get them there. It was only a matter of time until Italy equalised, with Benucci kicking the ball in from a few yards out. 
so strong was Italy's defence that from then on it was clear, well to me anyway, that the game was either going to finish 2-1 to Italy or go on to penalties. Southgate didn't make his first substitution until it had gone 1-1 and he brought on Saka for Trippier. Not long after that, Henderson came on for Rice. Rice looked like the best England player in terms of harrying the Italians, chasing them and trying to get the ball back and Henderson had nowhere near the same impact. Was Henderson 100% match fit? The game went in the extra time and Italy lost their territorial dominance a bit and there were vague hints of England remembering where the Italian goal was. But when Phillips had that shot that went wide, that felt like England's only attempt since Luke Shaw's goal. During this tournament, there's been a clamour for Jack Grealish. Clamour is one of those words you only ever hear during an international tournament. Grealish is a talented player. He does great work for Aston Villa, but he's 25 years old and he's never played European football. European football, international football, it's different gravy. Grealish came on from Mason Mount, but that change had little impact. Right at the end, Southgate sent on Rashford and Sancho to take penalties. That's a lot of pressure to put on two guys, sending them on that late. It's one of those things where if the manager gets it right, he looks like a genius, and if he gets it wrong, he looks like a fool, but, you know, that's football. In the shootout, Pickford made two saves, including the one from Jorginho that kept England in the tournament. Pickford has a reputation for being a bit crazy, but he's been brilliant with five clean sheets from seven games. He's one of those players who ends the tournament with an enhanced reputation. Southgate made the right decision to stick with him when there was a lot of talk during the season about Dean Henderson taking over as England's number one. When England beat Colombia in 2018, a psychological burden had been lifted. We know that Southgate takes a professional approach to penalties, which is a good thing. Initially, it looked like the Euro final was going to go England's way. Kane stuck the ball inside the side netting. Maguire thumped it into the roof of the net. Maguire, he's one of those who gets a bit of stick, but when it matters, he's never let England down. I knew Rashford was going to go for the same corner as in the Columbia match, just to the keeper's right. I also knew he was going to miss. I think I can tell from a man's face whether he's up to the job or not. Rashford did the stutter run like he did against Columbia, but this time he tried to be too cute with the finish and he got it wrong. Sancho's penalty was pretty poor. On one of the WhatsApp groups I'm part of, before the Germany game I predicted that Sancho, being a Germany-based player, would miss a penalty and then get racially abused on social media. I was wrong about the game in which Sancho would miss, but sadly I was right about the outcome. By the way, there's been a lot of think pieces fetishising the brilliant diversity of this England team, but diverse England teams have been around for years, stinking out tournaments for years, so let's not be one-sided about this. It all came down to the Saka penalty, massive pressure for a 19-year-old to keep England in the final. Everyone was surprised by that choice of taker. Saka is a great talent, but he plays for Arsenal, and playing for Arsenal doesn't prepare you for elite level football. <laughs> Saka's kick was saved, and the scenes of Southgate comforting a distraught Saka were difficult to watch. Roy Keane was very critical of Sterling and Grealish 
for letting a raw kid go up to take the decisive penalty. And Grealish came out on Twitter and said that he wanted to take a penalty. Based on the players who were left on the pitch, I'm assuming Grealish would have been number six. Southgate took full responsibility for the penalty scenario, saying that he decided the kickers, and it wasn't a case of senior players bottling out. And Southgate said the kickers were decided based on the data in training. It's got to sound like I'm contradicting myself, given that I like Southgate's more professional approach to penalties, but data can't say what's in a person's head at that moment. The guys who missed clearly had the ability and technique based on the data and based on the training, but they didn't have it when it mattered. It was both a positive tournament and a missed opportunity at the same time for England. A lot of players enhanced their reputation. I mentioned Pickford and Shaw, but also Maguire, Stones, Walker. If the tournament had been held last year as planned, Phillips would have been nowhere near the squad, but now he's a regular and he's got a tournament under his belt. Declan Rice, he also played well. Kane looked kind of busted early on, but he found his form in the knockout stages and he's always got to get you goals. The fact that he's closer to winning a trophy with England than with Spurs tells you all you need to know about Spurs. <laughs> Sterling didn't have a great final, but he did. But he was England's only goal threat for a lot of the tournament. There's been a positive mood, a feel-good factor surrounding the England team, and that hasn't happened for a long time. So England fans can go into Qatar 2022 with a team that they know can be in the running for winning things. Southgate has done so much for England, but climbing that final peak is so difficult. It took Joachim Love's Germany team four tournaments to get there. They lost the final and a couple of semi-finals before winning in 2014. But does Southgate have that killer instinct to get England to World Cup glory or a European Championship maybe in 2024? Or is he the Tim Henman of international football? That was me being kind to Gareth Southgate, so you're probably thinking, what would it be like if I was being unkind to him? Looking at the tournament as a whole, it was far better than I thought it would be. I thought this tournament was actually going to be a disaster. Flying teams and fans haphazardly around the continent for a month was a terrible idea in normal circumstances. In a pandemic, it was absolute insanity. The 12 Cities Euros was Platini's vanity project and it should have been chucked in the bin as soon as Platini was kicked out of football. So hopefully they'll never do this ever again. As per usual, it was up to the players to save the tournament from the crass decisions of the governing body. They did a great job given how packed the schedule has been over the past like year and a bit. The Monday of the last 16, Spain 5, Croatia 3. And then France 3, Switzerland 3 was the greatest single day in European Championship history. 
Denmark did fantastically well to get to the semi-finals after the horror of what happened to Christian Eriksen. Spain looked like they couldn't score for Toffee, but then they had five against Slovakia and five against Croatia. Do we now accept that it's never going to happen for Belgium? You can still set your watch by Dutch capitulations, especially at European Championships. France were a massive disappointment, all that talent, all that expectation, and they only got one win before sleepwalking to their doom against Switzerland. As for Germany, Joachim Love should have been sacked in 2018, but he was kept on and Germany have been drifting ever since. And Hansi Flick has a massive rebuilding job in his hands. Germany will be hosting the Euros in 2024, and the Germans organised the World Cup really well in 2006, so hopefully more of the same. Thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Ocott. Also follow at World Cup Ramble. I'll be back in August with an episode of World Cup Rambling, but it'll be a short one, nothing too serious.